the Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. Cranberry Radio proudly presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, chief storyteller at Styled Retail, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up from Marketing Daily, an article by Tanya Gazdick, and it's about retail and holiday. And I know it seems really early to talk about holiday, but if you're in retail, it's never too early. According to um, Ep- Epsilon, they do they were doing a holiday shopping survey asking consumers how much they intended to shop this season. And believe it or not, 87% said they were very likely to purchase at a brick and mortar store. Now we know year over year, people have been doing more online shopping. It's really been hurting brick and mortars, but this is very, very positive news for those of you who have, uh, actual storefront. So to see 87% saying they were willing to actually walk in and buy, um, Also, 76% said they were likely to purchase online uh, this holiday season. And digital channels are the one that's steering consumers on their nonlinear path to purchase and buying, influencing their buying decisions. 77% state that ads received by mail have some influence on where they buy. And um, online have at least some influence, say 41% of you. They are influenced by direct mail because it usually contains an offer or a discount of some kind. 90% of all respondents, and that's a huge majority, plan to access online sites or emails to learn about the best deals before starting their shopping journey. So, you know, it's good to have a promotion out there. I think you all know that. Uh, People will be enticed to come in, and yes, they plan to come into your shop. Um, And they are really inspired also by Pinterest, 65% of respondents say they use Pinterest to get ideas for gifts as well. So you're going to want to use social media. Uh, But the good news for retailers this season, let's hope that it bears out by the end of the holiday shopping season. My purse profile today is the Kate Spade shopper. No irony there. This is a woman 35 years um, of with a mom of three, 60K household income, does a lot of online shopping actually, but prefers the retail experience during the holidays. And she feels like the holidays themselves are such an experience. She wants to get out there and enjoy every bit of it. Um, so she's very fashion aware. Fashion magazines influence what she buys. She likes to be unique, stand out in a crowd. She considers herself to be very optimistic not too worried about the future, happy with her life the way it is, but experiencing as much as she possibly can. Has a keen sense of adventure, she says. Likes to switch things up as a result, experiment with new styles, and likes to indulge those kids. She's shopping at Macy's, Haverty's, Kohl's, Nordstrom, Old Navy, Gap, Crate and Barrel. Uh, She's driving a Volkswagen, a Toyota, and a Chrysler. 
And she loves her Kate Spade, her Calvin Klein, and her Ann Taylor. You can find her reading Parenting, Cosmo, Vanity Fair People, Good Housekeeping, Marie Claire, Glamour, Better Homes and Gardens. So very, very big women's general interest media consumer. She's online, excuse me, she's on cable at Bravo E. Lifetime and TLC, HGTV also as well, and online at a lot of those similar companions as well as eBay and Disney.com. My guest today does a lot of writing about women. Nina Romano is the author of five poetry collections, including Cooking Lessons, which was submitted for the Pulitzer Prize. Her latest poetry collection, Westward, Guided by Starfalls and Moonbows, was recently published from Red Dashboard, and she's been nominated twice for the Pushcart Prize. She's um, had a short story collection, The Other Side of the Gates, and after residing 20 years in Italy, she settled in South Florida, where she was an adjunct professor at St. Thomas University in Miami Gardens, Florida. She's made several guest appearances at the Miami Book Fair International, including 2015 with her debut novel, The Secret Language of Women, which was the first in a trilogy called The Wayfarer Trilogy. The second book, Lemon Blossoms, came out in February of 2016, followed by In America, which was released this past July. And that is what she's going to be taking to the Miami Book Fair in November. Nina is a member of the Screw Iowa Writers Group, which convenes yearly to critique and comment on complete manuscripts. She'll be talking about that. You're going to want to stick around and listen to Nina Romano and how she develops her female-centric books and how she decides how they're set in history. Historical fiction is growing and growing, and Nina is a key player in that genre. So everybody stick around. Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Purse Strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Cranberry, Cranberry Radio. We're everywhere. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. 
Welcome back. My guest today is Nina Romano. She's a prolific writer in, in all kinds of genres, by the way. She's the author of five poetry collections, one of which was submitted for the Pulitzer Prize. She's also done short stories and also a trilogy uh, called the Wayfarer Trilogy that includes three different books under that trilogy. And we're going to be talking about a few of them today. Her latest one, In America, was released in July of this year and is debuting at the Miami Book Fair coming up here in just a few weeks. And I'm thrilled to have Nina on the show today to talk about how she approaches her writing. Nina, welcome. Thank you. I'm pleased to be speaking with you. Very, very pleased indeed. Uh Oh, well, Nina, it's thrilling to have you on. You know, when I was doing research for the show and I looked at all that you were, uh, the many, many ways that you're so talented, I was so impressed. Um, And I was really impressed with the way you approach um, your heroines. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But first, let's talk about the Miami Book Fair. That's coming up here in November, November 13th to 20th. What do you like most about the fair? First, let me say that Mitchell Kaplan, who is a friend of FIU and owner of Books and Books, has long been a supporter of the arts. And um, he first created a fairground for a community of South Florida readers and writers. Uh, He has now expanded the fair, as we know, and it has grown into a prestigious international community of book lovers. I've been a fair grower for many years. I've also presented and have um, I've been a participant. The first time I read at the book fair was from an anthology entitled Ir- Irrepressible Appetites, and it was edited by Tracy Broussard, a friend of mine who was also a graduate of FIU. And uh, I've been blessed to read at the fair from almost all of my five poetry collections and my first novel, The Secret Language of Women. But I've also had the experience of being a seller and shared a booth with my writing group one year, and that was a blast. Uh, You get to speak to all the passers-by and you hawk your books. It was vital, and it was a fun marketing experience. That's what I love about the fair. Yeah, many, many things to love about the fair. And I do want to pick up on a couple of things. One, I should have noted that you spent 20 years in Italy, living in Italy, which sounds amazing. We could probably talk the whole time about your experiences in Italy, but I will refrain from that. Uh, <laughs> but, but you do live in South Florida. You were an adjunct professor at St. Thomas University in Miami Gardens, Florida. So you're not terribly far from the Miami Book Fair, right? Uh, well, I'm in Broward County in Lighthouse Point. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't matter if <laughs> you're two hours or 10 hours away. You're you going. There. <laughs> That's right. And I have to tell you, you talk about your writer's group, and I love the name of your writer's group. It's called Screw <laughs> Iowa. Screw Iowa. Where did you get the name for this writer's group? I have to know. Oh, heavens to Betsy. I didn't expect you to come up with that, but um, <laughs> I'll tell you how it happened. We all met at Iowa for a summer program and a workshop, and we were um, uh, we just bonded, five women, and we're from all different states. And the following year, we wanted to go back to Iowa and take a workshop, but just five or six of us and, uh, and not do the entire um, – 20-page thing, but no, we wanted to do an entire book. 
uh, have it critiqued. And uh, that didn't work. And we were told, no, thank you very much. And one of us said, screw Iowa. So that's <laughs> how we go. became screw Iowa. We'll <laughs> do it ourselves. And sure enough, that's what we did every year. We have met since then, 2004, and we have critiqued entire novels or uh, manuscripts, my poetry, my short stories, uh, anything and everything that we're, that we're writing, really. How fortunate you are to have that group. Yes, and I, I do. I adore the name. I just think that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> So you are by the, a writer. By the way, yes. just excuse me for interrupting one thing. Everybody knows Iowa is the school for creative writing. So to do that little, um, uh, <laughs> use that expression was really <laughs> very bold of us. But uh, we beautiful. loved Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Duly noted. Love Iowa, but maybe not in that specific uh, case, right? Um, so you do write historical fiction, poetry, short stories. You know, you do a lot of different writing. Do you have a preference for for your for your writing? Oh, difficult question. Um, for me, I think that poetry is a gift from God. Uh, images, elevated language, strong nouns, verbs, rhythm, metaphors, they all seem to come to me randomly and I put them down on paper, any paper. I write down on envelopes, bills, grocery lists, theater playbills, whatever I have at hand. And then I write those um, snatches of phrases, beginnings um, of poems into a file by year. And there I develop and revise them until I find the poem hidden within. In grad school at FIU, I had a fabulous poetry professor and mentor, Campbell McGrath. And he taught me to find the energy in the poem and go with it. I don't write anything like Campbell, but uh, I certainly did learn a great deal from him. I find that uh, short stories to me are the hardest form of writing because of the compression. Okay. Novels give you much more time to develop the story, and I always wanted to be a novelist. Uh, um, it's challenging, and that's what I love about it most. So I guess that's the answer. Well, the beautiful thing is you get to do all of it. <laughs> you know, you get to dabble in all of it. More than dabble, actually. Um, this July, you introduced your third book in the Wayfair Trilogy. And that's actually why you're at the Miami Book Fair coming up in November. You're promoting in America. First, tell listeners out there who maybe aren't familiar with your trilogy, what binds the trilogy together? I'm going to say it in one word. Giacomo, my character. He's in all three of the novels, and he is the character I was most challenged to write. Now, why were you most challenged to write Giacomo? You know I had to ask you that question. <laughs> okay, I started, yes, I started The Secret Language of Women in his point of view, male point of view, and I did third person so I could distance myself a little bit from, from that. Um, and then we were going to Iowa that summer, so I had to... I wanted to produce 20 new pages. I didn't want to bring something that I'd already written. And I started to write something in Leanne's point of view. And I found my main character and, um, and the woman that really I wanted to write about. So uh, let's say that um, it, it was a challenge to write from 
completely a male point of view. And although I have done it and I think I have succeeded in it, um, I still found my woman point of view, my female point of view. Yeah, and we and we all thank you for that. Um, and, uh, thank you for that. In America, features you know you do write about a strong strong young women, and this is your latest one. Um, Marcella, I think, is her name. She's placed in 1920s Brooklyn, large Italian family. Uh, as I mentioned, you lived in Italy for 20 years. I have to imagine your experience in Italy has impacted your writing. Um, I think Italy has impacted all of my writing, (laughs) um, my life. Um, I love to fling Italian words and recipes into everything I write. My second novel, Lemon Blossoms, is set completely in Sicily, uh, which I visited many, many times, and I still have a 102-year-old auntie living in Palermo. Mm. So my background is Sicilian, both sets of grandparents. And... um, it's not just the novels, but short stories, screenplays, poetry, anything I write. Um, my short story collection, The Other Side of the Gates, uh, that's the title of it, and also the title of the main story. Uh, it's about a man in an Italian prison who can't remember if he murdered his wife or not. Another story in the collection is Come Sabbath, and that's set in the Roman ghetto. And I wrote a screenplay adapted for my short story, A Risky Affair, that's also set in Rome. Mm. So, yes. <laughs> yes, it's pervasive. Um. You can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a reason to read you, I think, because I think there's a lot of romanticism related to Italy. And um, and you set these women, uh, especially this particular young woman, uh, not in Italy, but from an Italian family, and um, and again, all of these women tend to be, you know, distinctive and very strong. What inspired you to create Marcella for your your um, book in America? What were you hoping the reader would take away from her? I have to say, Marcella Bella, which means <laughs> beautiful. And she is loosely drawn from the most beautiful woman I've ever known with a personality that matched my mother. There are so many families in that one little novel, but of course they're fictionalized. She was a woman who was born too soon, I think, and couldn't pursue her ambition. She had a fabulous voice and she sang at everyone's wedding except mine. Mm. She said it was my day. I wrote an elegiac uh, narrative poetry collection about her when she was dying, entitled it, She Wouldn't Sing at My Wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wrote the novel to show where women are coming from and how far we've come. It's a different world than my mother's time, for sure. What a testament to your mother. She must have been really something. And uh, you think she would be proud of this book? I know the answer, I think. Oh. <laughs> I think she would have uh, loved it. Uh, She did read a great deal of my poetry, and she did read the beginning of Lemon Blossoms. What's what's amazing to me was she said to me once, um, why don't you ever write about me? And I looked at her and I said, Mom, it's all about you. (laughs) She's in everything. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. I love that. That's so amazing. Well, and for her to know the impact that she had on you, that it shows up in in your talent must have been such such a 
an honor for her. Um, we had a you, close relationship, that's for sure. It certainly sounds that way, and what a gift that is uh, for you as a daughter and for you clearly as a writer. Um, as I talked before, you, you do um, do a lot of historical fiction. You're setting people in certain periods of time. How do you decide the setting of your historical fiction? How do you decide where to place your characters? What error to, to place them? I don't think I decide. Um, many of the stories that I want to tell and write about are from my past, and they lead me. In The Secret Language of Women, my main male character, Giacomo, is loosely based on my grandpa, uh, who was in the Italian Navy and fought in the Boxer Rebellion in China. And uh, as a child, I was always fascinated and loved his stories of exotic China, and I knew someday I'd love to travel there. And I did go there 23 years ago when I took notes for this novel. And uh, this year, I was fortunate enough to go again uh, in the spring and to visit places where he had been and to see the best changes. So, How they very take me. cool. They take you. They lead you. Uh, they make those decisions. That's pretty cool. I've heard writers talk about that, that uh, even their characters – will lead them throughout how to tell their story. Do you feel that's true? You feel like your characters almost lead themselves in their own storytelling? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that you follow the character around and find out what he's doing. Uh, That's the way I was taught by John Dufresne. That's what I do. Well, and you you do it well. Nina, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I do want to talk about The Secret Language of Women. We've talked a little bit about it here. It was your very first novel, your first first in the trilogy. So we're going to tackle that when we come back uh, with Nina Romano. Stick around, everybody. Her strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the Ezoic era. Ezoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailored ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at ezoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with ezoic. That's ezoic.com. Ezoic, make your website smarter. Ezoic is a Google certified publishing partner. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Jamming and spamming. Cashing in the clicks. SEO is always in session. Only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm.
Purse Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Nina Romano, the author of five poetry collections, short stories, novels, including the Wayfarer trilogy. The Secret Language of Women was book one in that trilogy, published in 2015, and won a gold medal in the Independent Publishers 2016 uh, Ippy Book Awards. And that was followed by Lemon Blossoms, which was published in February. And then right here in July of last year, in 20, or this year in 2016, in America. The number three book has uh, debuted, and that's what Nina is going to be talking about at the Miami Book Fair, which is coming up here in Miami in November. And uh, a little bit earlier in our conversation, we were talking about the 20 years in Italy that Nina spent and how it's pervasive throughout all of her writing and and really how uh, a lot of the characters are kind of sprung from your life, your past. We were talking about your mom being really the basis of Marcella in the book in America. And then the secret language of women, Giacomo really being your grandfather. and um, But yet another strong woman in this as well. You write about a lot of strong women uh, with mixed race, if I'm not mistaken, Asian and Swiss. She's, oh gosh, her life has a lot of really... Uh, I would say barriers would be an understatement, really bad things that she has to overcome. Talk a little bit about why you have your, your heroines suffer as creatively as you do. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can only say that uh, there are many facets to all of my heroines' lives, and they are fraught with difficulties that must be surmounted. Um, they say that life is stranger than fiction, but I truly use many life, real life details and events that I fictionalize. So perhaps that's one of the reasons that my scenes resonate and seem so real. Mm-hmm. And I think sadly today we have a lot to overcome. I'm, I'm curious, you know, we've talked about your historical fiction. It's how your life and your experiences have kind of choose their own era that you end up writing about. Have you ever considered writing a novel that's set in present day? And I'm curious what you, how you would decide on women's current, you know, barriers, if you will, that we have to overcome if you were to tackle a modern day novel. Hmm. Um, I've written present day stories. And so that is definitely a possibility to write something longer, a work of uh, fiction, a novel, um, there are so many things to write about. I mean, a plethora of choices. Let's see. Um, infidelity. Um, difficulty in conceiving. Juggling work, raising children, keeping a home. Women's professional success. We live very stressful lives and it causes sickness, physical, mental, emotional. Uh, violence is prevalent in our society. That's a biggie. Um, I would consider that. Yeah, there's no, there's no short list, is there? I think the the challenge yeah. would be in whittling yeah. it down, <laughs> whittling it down for sure. You have a lot of fans of your books. Do you find that both men and women love your books, or or do you feel like more it's resonating more with women? Well, I think so. I think it resonates with both. Um, I've had lovely responses to my books from male authors that I admire. I mentioned before John Dufresne 
and uh, Louis K. Lowey. And um, many readers, both male and female, leave wonderful customer reviews on Amazon. So if I have that to go by. Um, yes, I would say the majority are women, but men do read my, my work. And um, I've had some fabulous um, um, responses and reviews from them. That's wonderful. Uh, do you feel like there's a demand for historical fiction? Have you seen kind of that growing as a genre, or do you feel like it's kind of stayed constant? Um, well, personally, I've always loved historical novels. We learn from our past. And, um, well, recently, popular books like um, All the Light We Cannot See, Anthony Dower. And um, The Nightingale, which was set in France, that was fabulous, by Christian Hanna. And uh, Everyone Brave is Forgiven, Chris Cleave, I just finished that one. And these are all great examples of World War II stories and certainly have contributed to the growth of the demand of historical fiction. Um, to mystery writers that pen terrific historical novels, Dennis Lehane, who I went to school with, uh, The Given Day. Ken Follett's The Pillars of the Earth and uh, Fall of Giants. Uh, so many, oh my heavens. Um, my all-time favorite, Larry McMurtry, <laughs> The Lonesome Dove. Mm -hmm. um, Eric, I, yes, I think There's that, so many, um, many. <laughs> yes, and people want to, to, to learn from the past and, and read historical works. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and thank you for sharing some of those books because that, that was another aside. I was going to ask you some of your favorite ones. Um, you're very prolific. So I have to ask, what are you working on right now? Or do you, or you have something in mind that you might tackle here in the near future? Or maybe you're close to finishing one. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, to be honest to God's truth is, um, speaking of McMurtry and Westerns, I'm working on a completely different genre, a novel of the Old West. Oh. And I think I'm falling just a little bit in love with my protagonist, Kyle Bradley. <laughs> I've, even, I've even written poems about him. Oh. Um, I do have two other things started, uh, but I, I think that I'm going to go with this one because I have uh, about 175 pages into it. Mm. So there you go. Uh, I hope that I've answered all your questions. Oh, my um, gosh. You've been just great, Nina. <laughs> just wonderful. I do have to ask, when we when might we meet Kyle? Would it be next year that this book would come out? When are you I'm, thinking? I am definitely not giving um, myself a, <laughs> a deadline. A time. I, I, I'll tell you why, honestly, uh, because I had one year to write in America. I had years to write both those other books and revise and revise and revise and rewrite them. But uh, in America, I was under contract with Turner Publishing and I had one year. So I, I gave myself a goal of 50 pages a month so that I would have a good uh, first draft in, within six months. But I'm not going to put myself under that kind of stress <laughs> again. No way, no way, no way. Okay, all but, right. Uh, well, then I, I won't be 
force the I won't force the issue. What we'll do instead <laughs> is we're just going to keep our eye, eyes peeled to your website because I know you do a great job of letting everybody know what's coming there. And I want to remind people it's Nina uh, Romano.com. So if you want to know more about Nina and her books and hopefully what's coming, you're going to want to check out that website. And the other thing, Nina, I noticed that Goodreads is doing a book giveaway. Um, uh, for your coffee house meditations book, it looks like, if I'm correct. Yes, and that, on, uh, on Goodreads. Yep. Yeah, Goodreads good giveaway. Reads. It's uh, five signed copies of my second poetry collection. Fabulous. Coffee and house meditations. That ends October 9th. So you've got to go to Goodreads now. Check it out. Put your name in the hat uh, for the Coffee House Meditations by Nina. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Of course. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Thank you so much for being on the show, Nina. It's just been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Maria. It's been a wonderful opportunity to speak with you, and I really do appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. And enjoy the Miami Book Fair. And thank you to my producer, George. Yes, for another great show. Join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 